You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. All right. So I was thinking through the message for this week. And before we get into that, I wanted to tell you guys a story. So when we were doing our interview with Miss Donna last week, and by the way, who enjoyed that? It was, it, was, it was tough, right? It was challenging, it was hard to listen to. But here's the thing, there was so much truth and so much goodness in that. And as I was thinking through that um, and thinking about how I wanted to approach this week, because we aren't in a series, um, I, I started thinking about a story. And as you guys know, when Miss Donna and I were talking, I told her that my granddad had passed away recently, right? And so when my granddad passed away, um, he, he died from chronic leukemia, and so he had cancer, right? And this past Monday, Halloween, was his birthday. And so what we did for his birthday was a few of us with my grandma went to Gibbs Cancer Center, which is where he was being treated, and we rang the cancer-free bell for him on his birthday. And that was one of his last wishes, was that we go on his birthday and ring that bell. And what was so special about that story to me was my grandma was able to go in there and she was able to talk to the nurses and the doctors who cared for him and say, listen, your medicine did not fail. God had a plan. And here's the thing. I called him Poopa. his name is Billy. He's cancer free now and he is doing way better than all of us. And she said, his birthday, as you guys probably know, because you had to write all of his papers, was October 31st, 1946. His new birthday is October 11th, 2022, because that's when he got to walk into heaven and be there with Jesus. And through that testimony, we were able to celebrate, but we were also able to encourage the nurses and the doctors. And it was so cool to see their faces. They started crying. We were able to minister to them to show them that there is such a thing as hope in a spot like the cancer center where they probably have to deal with a lot of hopelessness. And as I was thinking through that and preparing for the message, I was thinking about how a lot of times when we go through really hard stuff, just like what Miss Donna went through, she was able to tell us at the very end of the message that even though Kevin is gone, that she knows of a person who has accepted Jesus through his story, that she knows of people who have sought out counseling and therapy because of his story. And there has been so much good that has come about. And what does that speak to? That speaks to an all-knowing God with a plan that surpasses our wisdom and our knowledge. And so what I wanna title the message today is Enough for Today. Because I believe and I believe that scripture is very clear on this, is God is enough for today. And one thing that I think we need to make clear right off of the get-go is that sometimes God's being enough for today is a really hard thing to accept. And we're gonna read a passage in 1 Kings chapter 17 that will show us that God's sustaining grace, that our daily bread, it may not be immediate relief from what we're going through, it may not be, but it also could mean that God does do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. 
And so that's what we're talking about today, that God is enough for today. So let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're gonna read verses one through 16. It's a really, really cool story. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow here to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw the widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a single handful of flour in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So super interesting story, right? And let's give a little recap on it. And our first point is God leads in steps. So our story recap is that Elijah, this prophet of God, prays for a drought, right? At the very beginning, he prays for a drought and the drought actually happens. And we learned in the book of James that this drought was not a small drought. This drought lasted over three years. So for three years, there was no rain in the land of Israel. That's a pretty hard drought, isn't it? That would pretty much wipe out everything, wouldn't it? Right? And the, the reason that we see that this happens is Elijah is showing that his God, our God, is the one true God. And, in, and during this time, there was a king, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and they worshiped this God, Baal. And they were trying to convert the land of Israel to worship this God, Baal. And Baal represented fertility. Baal represented the, the ground and the leaves and the fruit all being abundant. And so what Elijah did was kind of ironic. He said, listen, the God that you guys worship, he ain't real, and let me show you how I'm gonna make it work, or show you guys how this works. There ain't gonna be no fruit in the land. There ain't gonna be no water in the land. This abundance that you worship ain't gonna be there. So God just, so God shows up, no rain. Well, here's the thing that happens. As you could probably expect, Elijah is now a wanted man in this area. Because all these people worshiping Baal and Elijah proclaims a drought on them. And what happens when there is a drought? They get mad at you. Why do they get mad at you? 
because there ain't no food, right? There ain't no water. So these people are mad at Elijah because Elijah just said, hey, you ain't gonna have no food or no water and that lasts for three years. So Elijah, as you guys could probably expect, is in some deep doo-doo with the people. They're mad at him. And so God instructs Elijah to go to a brook, right? And what we see here is that God led Elijah in steps because after he prayed, after he asked for no rain, there was no rain and God led him to a brook. And what do we see at the brook? The brook was enough for Elijah. He was fed and he had water. But then verse seven says, after a while the brook dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And what we see is that Elijah knew that after he proclaimed that there was gonna be no rain, that he was supposed to go to a brook. And when Elijah went to the brook, he was sustained by God until the brook dried up. And then after that, God told Elijah, your sustenance, your provision is elsewhere. You need to go to Zarephath at Sidon and meet a widow. What do we see? Oftentimes in our lives, we want God to lead us in leaps and bounds. We wanna know the next 37 steps. God led Elijah one step at a time. One step at a time. So in our life, I think one of the wisest questions that we can ask God is what do I need to be doing right now? What is my next step? Because oftentimes we get so future-minded that we miss God's provision in the presence. That's what we miss. When we're in middle school, we wanna be in high school. When we're in high school, we wanna be in college. When we're in college, we wanna be an adult. When we're an adult, we wanna be married. When we're married, we wanna have kids. When we have kids, let me tell you a truth. Ellie and I have a baby coming, right? The baby's due in March. Yeah, cool. Here's the thing. Ellie and I have been married a little over a year and we wouldn't change anything. We are so excited for this baby. But here's the thing, Ellie and I have four months left, just Ellie and I, four months. Because the baby comes and it's not just Ellie and I anymore, that's it. And then the baby's gonna be here and then the baby's gonna live and the baby's gonna be doing great and the baby's probably gonna be in the house for 18 to 20 years, right? The baby's probably gonna go to college, but then if the baby goes to college, it'll probably come back home and stay with us. And so if we didn't have any other kids after this one, Ellie and I are not empty nesters for at least another 18 to 20 years. So we better savor the time that we have just the two of us right now. What I'm trying to tell you is God leads in steps and if you aren't present in the present, you're gonna realize that your whole life is behind you and you don't even know what you missed. So God leads in steps. Remember that. What is God asking me to do right now? The second point is God can use anyone and anything. So let's go back to the story of Elijah, right? Elijah prays for, for no rain, no rain. And then he's instructed to go to the brook and he goes to the brook. God gives him provision there. And then Elijah is instructed to go to Sidon at Zarephath and find a widow, right? 
Let's think about this. Widows back in the day meant they didn't have a husband, right? Their husband died. And back in the day, a lot of times, somebody's source of finances, somebody's source of food came from their husband, right? Elijah is instructed to go to someone who is notoriously known for being poor, in a drought, mind you. Do you guys see the irony here? Yeah? This lady doesn't have anything. This lady literally tells Elijah, hey, I'm literally just trying to gather a couple of sticks so we can get together a small fire and we're gonna eat our last meal and we're gonna call it a feast and then my son and I, since we don't have anything left, we're prepared to die after that meal. That's what the widow is saying. God instructs Elijah to go there for his food and for his water. Do you guys understand how that's kind of whacked up? It's kind of crazy? Yeah. Oftentimes, we get mad at God because something's not going our way. Something doesn't look the way that we would have planned it because we know way more than God. I mean, let's be real here. We've been on the earth. Let's see, uh, let's see. How old are most of you guys? Call it out. Okay, I heard 13. You guys are 13. You know way more than God. I mean, let's be real here. You guys have been here this long. I mean, it just makes sense, right? No, that's not smart. But oftentimes, we put ourselves in God's place, get mad at him, hang up our fist at him because something doesn't look the way that we want it to look. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that God uses foolish things to confound the wise. Let me break that down for a second. God told Elijah to go to somebody who's known for being notoriously poor. Not only is she known for being notoriously poor, she doesn't have jack squat. Her and her son are about to eat their last meal and he goes to ask them for food. That's like, let's say, um, hmm, so I need some money. I'm gonna go on Sunday morning, I'm gonna go into Little Builders and ask one of the little kids for money. I know that they can't afford anything on their own. Mom and dad have to pay everything for them, but I'm gonna ask them for money. That makes a lot of sense, right? Do you guys see how this is not adding up? But God can use anyone in anything. Let's go back to the passage. First Kings 17, 12 says, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread. So we'll jump down to verse 14. This is what Elijah says to her. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops go again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So we see because this woman was obedient. Elijah heard from the Lord. Elijah told her she was obedient. There was provision. The containers never ran out. So God can use anything, even an almost empty container for provision. And that's not just for food. I think a lot of times when we think daily bread, Remember, give us this day our daily bread in Matthew 6. We think food, but oftentimes I think we need to remember that God is a lot of things. God is Jehovah Jireh. He is provider. But God is also a banner. God is also a strong fortress. We see the Holy Spirit is a paraclete. He's our advocate. 
He is there, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us. So not only daily bread for finances, not only daily bread for food, but daily bread for our hearts. We have all that we need in Jesus. And so Elijah's provision came in an unexpected place. God can use anything and anyone. And I think there's two things that we need to remember in the fact that Elijah's provision came through someone who we would never expect to provide. Two things. The first thing is the obvious. God can sustain you with what seems like nothing, right? Remember the, the, the five loaves and the two fish? How many people did, was, were fed through five loaves and two fish? Do y'all remember? 5,000 men, right? So we think maybe 15, 20,000, 25,000 people were fed through five loaves and two bread, right? That's crazy. God can use seemingly nothing for exorbitant purposes. You gotta remember that God owns the resources anyways, and if he owns the gravity and the matter and all that stuff, if he wants to flip it around to make it more, he can do that, right? The second thing we need to remember is this, that God can use the little that you feel you have for really big things. That widow was literally on her last little bit of food and then she was gonna go ahead and starve to death. She had come to the point where she realized that's my only option. I'm not gonna be able to find more food. And it probably took her a long time to get there, but she was there. Me and my son, she was gonna let her son die too. She was gonna let her son starve. That's how little she had. Yet God used her to provide for Elijah and for her and for her son. And that little bit of time that we see in scripture, let me tell you something. We know that it didn't rain for three years, right? And a lot of people think that Elijah stayed at the brook for maybe around a year-ish or a little less than a year, which means that that woman and her son and Elijah ate from the almost empty jar of oil and the almost little bit of bread for over two years. God used the little, the almost nothing she had for over two years of sustenance for three people. God can use anything, the little that you feel that you have. And let me tell you something, guys. Um, so I, as you guys mostly know, I love guitar. If there's things that, like in this world, there's a couple things I love to do, those are my hobbies, but more than a hobby, guitar for me is a source of income, it's a hobby, it's freeing for me, like it is bucket list, like if I have to take a couple of things with me, I'm obviously gonna, Ellie and I are going to an island, the one fun thing I get, I'm bringing a guitar, like that's how it's gonna be, right? And so I actually, if you guys don't know, I went to school, I went to college to play music. And I was learning all this super like complex, like theoretical stuff. And I was going to school to play jazz, which is already a snooty thing. Like I'm a jazz guy. We look down on all the other guys. We play more notes than you. We know more theory than you, all of this stuff, right? And in that time, I had to take piano. And let me tell you something. I can do, in the most humble way possible, I can do a lot of stuff on guitar. And I understand a lot of stuff on guitar. I understand a lot of things on piano. I can't do jack squat on the piano. I cannot. I'm not good. And so as I was trying to learn the piano, I was starting to realize that I, I love in my own time of worship to play the piano and sing. And what I was learning is that a lot of worship songs 
don't have many chords or many complex things going on, but it's simple. And what I learned is that if I know the chords to a song, these four chords, okay, I'll tell you. A, D, E, F sharp minor, A. There are so many things, so many songs that I can stretch out of those four chords. So many songs. So when I fight, I will fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, right? You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all, right? And I exalt thee. All of these songs, right? Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. And the thing is, is I haven't even scratched the surface of things that are there in those four chords. What am I trying to tell you? I know a ton of stuff right here but it's not needed to remind me of truth and to get me through life and circumstances in worship. What seems like a little in one person's hands can be more than enough in another person's hands. It's about how you view it and who you give it to. And so when we give the little we have to God, it is more than enough in his hands. It's more than enough. So sometimes it's not because we don't have enough. It's because we aren't giving the little that we have to God. I think it's a mindset flip, okay? Remember that. So God can use anyone and anything And the third point is give us this day our daily bread. And this is where I think it gets interesting because we know God is all powerful, right? Raise your hand if you knew that. Raise your hand if that's not news to you, right? You all know that, right? God's all powerful. God's all knowing. God's omniscient. Like we we know those things, right? And if God's all powerful and all knowing in all of these things, then why couldn't he have just given this widow an abundance of food? Just right off the bat. I mean, he sustained her for two years, he sustained her for two years. It could have been easy if he just took from his God-sized storehouse of oil and bread, he could have just given her enough for two years and she wouldn't even have to worry about it the next day, right? Have you guys ever thought that? Why did this person have to die? Why? Why did my granddad have to die? I wasn't ready for him to die. I mean, I wasn't. It sucks. Why did Kevin have to die? You see what I'm saying? If God is all powerful, why? Why? Have you guys ever wondered that before? You just wonder why? Yeah. Well, here's why. Let's go through this story in Elijah. 
Elijah asked for rain, right? Or no rain. It didn't rain. Three years. Prayed that. God led him to a brook, right? If God's all powerful, he could have just had the brook just go on for forever. Elijah never would have had to go anywhere else, right? But the brook dried up. Elijah then had to go meet this widow. If God's all powerful, when Elijah met this widow, God could have just given this widow an abundance of food, they wouldn't have had to worry about it. But he didn't. He sustained her every day. Sustained them every day with just enough. Here's what I wanna tell you. If Elijah's brook had not dried up, he never would have met the widow. And had Elijah never met the widow, we see later on in the chapter, the widow's son actually died. And since Elijah the prophet was there, he was actually able to resurrect this woman's son. So had the brook not dried up, Elijah never would have met the widow. And he never would have been able to bring this woman's son back to life. But more than that, I think there's an interesting shift because if you read the passage closely in 1 Kings, you will see that at the beginning when Elijah is talking about what God told him to tell her, she says, you're God. And at the end of the passage, she talks about God in general. And I believe in my heart of hearts that had Elijah's brook not dried up, he never would have found the widow, never would provision have happened, never would the son have, have been resurrected. But more than that, never would the widow and her son have come to faith in God. Had Kevin not died, then the one lady that Donna talked about, bringing their life over from death to life, re recognizing Jesus as Lord and Savior, that would have never happened. Had my granddad not died, then the testimony that my grandma was able to share at Gibbs Cancer Center this Monday, October 31st, that never would have happened. And let me tell you something, both Kevin and my granddad are doing better than all of us right now because they have believed in their hearts and confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And part of believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth is recognizing that Jesus is Lord. Meaning Jesus is Lord over my life, Jesus is Lord over everybody else's life, but Jesus is also Lord over this day. And Jesus is Lord just as much over today as he is over tomorrow and just as much over tomorrow as he was yesterday. And so we need to stop hanging up our fists at God and recognize that he, as in Romans 8, 28 says, he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So why God is a great question. It is. And I think the answer is because he's God, because he knows. And if God is all good, then there is greater good in this. That's what we have to believe. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this night and I thank you for all that you do. I pray that as we go to small groups, um, that we would be able to um, share with one another encourage one another. And may this message um, find our hearts as the good soil, hearts that are receiving, hearts that are open, and hearts that when things get hard, continue to cling on to the message and continue to walk in faith.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.